What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Pace the Nation. I'm your host, Chris Farley. We're broadcasting from Studio 1A in Clarendon. Mellow song there to start us off here today. To my left is Joanna E. Russo. Joanna, what's up? Sometimes it's okay to be mellow. <laughs> was that your choice? Actually, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was our other uh, co-host choice, William E. Docs. Docs, what's up? Why are we talking about whose choice the music <laughs> yeah, I know, was? I know. You guys so against, Pretty. Are you guys so against it? No, no I, th- I thought it was, it was great. I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, just thought it was a Joanna choice. That's all. Mm-hmm. Don't read into it any more than that. All right. That's mm-hmm. it. Can't wait for you to pick the music. <laughs> glad, glad Hail to the Redskins. <laughs> glad, glad to be back here. A big show today, guys. Uh, we've got uh, an exciting lineup of guests, plural. That's right. Two guests today. Two guests. Yeah, very excited to be joined today by uh, Mary Gersima today. She is the author of the blog Chasing Mailboxes. It's a uh, new blog to me, but I was checking it out in the last couple of days. Really cool blog. Uh, it, it has uh, a lot to do with biking and running, and we've deemed her the expert to answer Andy's question from last week. We uh, did or you did? <laughs> I thought it was a group decision. Uh, it's a, it was the same way we came to all of our group decisions. <laughs> well, we promised last week that we would address Andy's question about running and bike lanes. And what is the etiquette there? And so she's going to be uh, addressing she's, that. She's going to weigh know. in on that as the she expert. Is, exactly. Uh, we also have the director of cross country and track and field at Georgetown University, Mike Smith. Very excited to uh, have him join us today in studio. Uh, he's going to talk about coaching, his team, his uh, history and running, and you know maybe a couple surprises there too. So that should be fun. We're also going to close the show with the Tweets of the Week. So, big show here, guys. Um, but before we get to that, Docs, anything uh, happened this week? I had a sighting on the trail. Oh, man. Was For- it a Nationals player or? <laughs> former guest of the show. It is a former guest of the show who okay. I have seen and we have talked about before. Oh, I know who it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know who it is. Should we uh, make him guess? Have you? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't intend to have a a game out of this. But, have you but, seen this person on the trail before? Yes. Was it Lisa again? Yes. <laughs> did she acknowledge you this time? Yes, she this, did. It was. It was kind of. Good. It was. It was awesome. It was like I was coming down the hill, and we basically made eye contact from I don't know like fifty meters out. Right. Since we since we talk we, in we meters. talk in meters meters we do yeah. right uh, and. I, she like had this smile on her face, kind of like uh, because I I saw her at the the cross country event, the DCXC event as well, right? And she had heard on the podcast how how I called her out for ignoring you for big timing, big me. timing. Yep, yeah. And uh, so we addressed it at that at that point. There was some tears, but I got over it. <laughs> uh, and then so when I saw her, there was kind of like a smile, like a. a, a well, maybe actually she'll listen to this and she'll be like, I didn't smile, but right. uh, I felt like she, she acknowledged the moment. And, and she uh, probably overdid it, I would imagine. I definitely did. Oh, you on, did. on purpose, yeah. Right, that's great. Like, she was like, hey, and I, was, and I, I did a across the body wave again, like, hey, right. and hope, hoping that she knew the reference and didn't just think me a big idiot, <laughs> although she probably thinks me a big idiot anyway. Right. Uh, well, good. 
Yeah. Uh, well, so uh, it, was, it was a it was a real positive and, and yeah. And I guess um, I was actually energized by that on the run because I thought it was I was like that was, that was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. You were actually acknowledged this time. That's great. <laughs> That's all I ask for in this life. <laughs> exactly. Um, Joanna, I, before we get to the interviews, I wanted to ask you about your um, and this is a total non sequitur. Um, your lowercase <laughs> obsession. With a lowercase letters? I don't, are we going to use the word obsession? I don't okay, think we that's need to not, go that far. That's not, that's not right. He has, heard, a, he has a limited vocabulary yeah. limit, so. <laughs> I'd, like I'd heard, yeah. I mean, it just this is totally just, again, um, there's no segue from what talking to Lisa or seeing Lisa well, on the trail. Well, there kind of is. Like, okay. I like my name to be acknowledged by a lowercase <laughs> j. Okay. Um, when I was a kid, I used to, I'd go back and forth between if I wanted a cap on my j, so like a line across the right. top of the j or, or, or no line there. And then finally I decided I just didn't even like a capital J. I just, I like the lowercase with the dot. So you just do lowercase when you, when you sign an email, when you uh, write a letter that you mail, which you do frequently. Runs in the family, I'm sure. Yep. Um, you yeah. just you use the lowercase. I prefer characters. the way that my whole name looks in an unserifed lowercase font. Okay, all right, that's good to know. On next week's show, we'll get to know some sort of odd uh, characteristic about Docs. So uh, this was a good segment. Uh, I thought you were going to ask me about my case <laughs> preference because. Do you have a case for a preference? I think his name is constantly yeah. in lowercase as well. William E. Docs is always lowercase. Wow. Okay. No capitals. Wow. You guys do have something more than just your middle initial in mm-hmm. common. That's awesome. Um, can, can we get a dog update? Yeah. The dog is um, uh, very active and not sleeping through the night. And um, yeah, it's uh, I love the dog. It's does the, been, yeah, does the yeah. dog have a yeah. name? Oh, the dog's name is London. <laughs> yes, the dog's name is London. So uh, for obvious reasons, we named the dog London. After Mike London, the UVA football coach. <laughs> right, after Mike London, the UVA football coach. Hopefully he doesn't get fired anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're Owen too, so maybe. Uh, but uh, no, the, the dog is a very active dog. I've been taking him to our local park and doing wind sprints with him. Yeah. Is it a it's him a girl. or a her? I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I haven't been sleeping much because of the dog either. Uh, I've been uh, doing wind sprints with her. Yeah. Is she old enough to do wind sprints? Well, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm not supposed to run with her. like Long distances. Long distances until she's, you know, another year or so. I think, I think actually after we turn the mics off you and joanna need to have a serious conversation <laughs> about raising a dog <laughs> i have i have hope for for little london yeah uh, but not unless joanna intervenes yeah well julie's doing a lot of heavy lifting on the dog uh, i raising. don't doubt that at <laughs> all <laughs> All right, so that's the update on all of our lives i'm sure the listeners were dying for those uh but uh, very excited to uh, next be joined by uh, Mary Gersima, uh, she's the author of Chasing Mailboxes. We'll take a break and be back with her right after this. Let's prank call her. All right, let's let's prank call her now. All right, guys, and now we're happy to be joined by Mary Gersima. She is the author of a really cool blog called Chasing Mailboxes, and she is going to help us with our question. Mary, how are you? 
I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. I emailed her earlier today, guys, and just had a random question uh, out of the blue. I said, hey, uh, do you mind coming on the show? Had you, you probably have never heard of our show, right? I had not, oh, actually. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, good. I know you've done a couple of our road our road races. Um, mm-hmm. So we do this weekly show, and uh, we didn't know how to answer this question. And I'm going to ask you the question in a second, but I do want to talk a, a little about your blog. Uh, sure. A very uh, a very well done. You know, there's some blogs out there, guys, but this one is is pretty intense. So it's chasing mailboxes. What's the uh, purpose of your blog? The per- I would say the purpose is really it started as a place to really share stories of the bike commute and randonneuring, which is long distance unsupported bicycling, mm-hmm. and also to capture the running that I did, um, both as a as a regular runner in the city and then as some of the events that I do. So you commute to work, obviously on bike. Either by bike, and I also run commute nice. sometimes, too. We've yeah. talked a number of times about that on the show, and we highly recommend it to our listeners. Joanna's That's a bike training. rider as well. Yeah, Joanna does. Oh, great. Yeah, she does. Uh, we're all, you know, we're all probably primarily runners, but definitely bikers. I know Docs uh, went on a bike ride today. How far did you go there, mm-hmm. Docs, t- today? Um, well, today was a bit shorter. Yeah. I, I, because of uh, work commitments, I was only able to get out there for 40 minutes. And I know a lot of our listeners, you know, they do, do running and, of course, they do biking for, uh, um, you know, for cross training and, and just good exercise. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Mary, so this is the reason yeah. why we had you on the show. Andy tweeted us in last Wait, week. Wait, can I ask a question yeah, before go, go we ahead, get go to the tweet? Okay, so, so Mary, which yeah. commute do you prefer, biking or running? Mm. Well, it's... It really depends on I mean, if I have an event coming up, I, a running event, then I really tend to prefer the run commute. Okay. Um, so now, when you run depends. commute, Joanna runs commutes to the store. Um, do you have your stuff at work? How do you do that? Do you have a shower at work? I, yeah, I do have a shower at work. It must I be have nice. A pack. Yeah, it is. It is nice. Um, I have a pack that I use um, that I take my lunch in and any extra clothes that I need, but I generally keep my suits and, and business clothes at the office, and nice. I bring them in and out by bike when I can. Nice. Well, a lot of my employees, they just... I think they just work in their clothes that they uh, that they run <laughs> run to work in and stink all day. But no, they're not too bad. All right. So to the question here, Andy tweeted us in and he said, "Any thoughts on running in bike lanes during off peak times?" As a runner and cyclist, I'm still conflicted. And we posed that question last week, and we talked about it a little bit on air, but a little bit off air as well. And none of us had a good answer. So. Mary, we have deemed you the yeah. expert. <laughs> so, what do you? Okay. What are your thoughts on this? Well, the pressure's on I now that I've been deemed the expert. But <laughs> it's but this was actually mentioned previously in a conversation with Gear Prudence. I don't know if any of you read Gear Prudence, the Washington City paper. I do. But someone also posed that question to him. Okay. And Brian, uh, who writes that, and. Um, he was a little more lenient about running in the bike lane than I was because as a cyclist, 
I feel like we're stuck in this get off the sidewalk, get on the sidewalk limbo, and we have very few spaces that are really for cyclists. Right. So I think, you know, the short answer is it's not a best practice to run in the bike lane. I knew it! And, <laughs> and I run over lunch quite a bit and go, go by the 15th Street bike lane. Mm-hmm by Treasury, and if you are ever over in that area, you know that it's really full of um, a lot of pedestrian traffic, and during the off hours, that bike lane gets traffic, but maybe, you know, not as constant as it would in rush hour. In rush hour, you should, I really just would stay not. out no of way. the bike lane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, you know, it's really, you're putting yourself and others, I think, at risk by doing that. But in the off hours, I still don't think you should do it either. I, I, I would agree. And I'm going to pull the room here. I thought no. Docs, what did you think? I'm not really the right person to ask <laughs> because I will trespass. Um, I've run on golf courses, yeah, gotten kicked off, true. and then went right back there the next day. So um, so, so he's on the wrong side of it. I, okay, I, I'm not even. I'm. I'm not opposed to running in the in the bike lane. I'm also not opposed to running in the traffic lane. <laughs> That's okay. So not a good person to ask. Yeah. All right, Joanna. Okay. Uh, what are, What are your thoughts, Joanna? Um, I'm against running in the bike lane. Um, for pretty much the same reasons Mary just said. Because I bike too, and I feel like it's pretty dangerous to be a biker and. Um, we fought hard to get bike lanes in the city. So if runners want mm-hmm. their own lanes, they can start a lobby to get that done. That's true. All right. Good, good. So we have uh, the majority here says uh, no. Perfect. But my assistant manager always runs in the bike lane and he actually got into a fight with a biker who called him out and he still felt like he was in the right. Oh. Wow. I, yeah, I, it's hard. I will say it's tough in the city. I mean, because there is like this, fight for pavement and it's a crowded space so i don't know i mean it's like you do have to kind of pick and choose what you're going to get angry about and when you're going to get angry about it but i do think running in the bike lanes just is not a good recipe not a good for idea. a good run yeah it's pavement wars out there yeah, i agree yeah. pavement wars yeah for sure uh have you uh, while we got you have you had any uh, bad conflict when you've been out there biking or running with bikers or or runners. If you're on your bike with a runner, or if you're on a run with a biker. Uh oh, you mean in terms? Uh, you know, I don't really. I'm sure there probably are instances. I don't recall them right now because yeah. I think you know you just gotta try and take a little bit of a relax. You take the high road. I think it, That's yeah, good. and I, I think if the situation merited it, I you know like if a cyclist or if a runner was putting a cyclist, or particularly me, at risk in the bike lane, I hope that I, I think then it's appropriate to yep. say something. Um, other than that, I try not to get too sick up about that. I agree. Uh, we had that question earlier in the year, too. So I think all of us can get along and uh, coexist peacefully. And uh, band up against the drivers of cars. <laughs> yeah, I think that, yeah, yeah that's what brings us together. the most <laughs> yeah. That's right. All right, Mary. I really appreciate you joining us on short notice. Her blog is Chasing Mailboxes. We're going to tweet that out. And uh, I, you've got a new fan of Chasing Mailboxes. And we'll have to get you on the show um, at a future time and, and spend some more time talking about uh, both biking and running and running, commuting, and biking, commuting, because we get a lot of those questions on our show. Great. I'd love it. 
Thanks a lot. That's Mary, and her uh, her blog, again, is Chasing Mailboxes. And we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, thanks again to Mary for joining us here on the program. And, of course, this program is sponsored by Pacers Running. Pacers Running with five area D.C. locations. Pacers Running is for every run. Navy Yard opens October 21st. All right, after the break, we're going to be joined by the director of cross-country and track and field at Georgetown University, Mike Smith. All right, we're now happy to be joined by the director of cross-country and track and field at Georgetown University, Mike Smith. Mike, what's up, man? Oh, thanks for thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks this for is, this being is here. Yeah. yeah, man, this is real late notice. Uh, Docs and Joanna, I, yeah. I I literally emailed him this morning or texted him this morning, and he found the time in his busy schedule to come by. I mean, you're like coaching, you're recruiting trip, you you got right. all kinds of stuff going on. So, man, we really appreciate. No, it. no worries. This is this is exciting. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, good. Well, we uh, brought you on to talk about Georgetown, obviously, but wanted to get sort of a background of, of your running and uh, the history of your running and, and career before Georgetown. And also, we want to know what your podcast history is. Oh, podcast history. Well, you know what? This would be the first podcast that I've actually uh, uh, done on the subject of running. Usually, I'm, I'm singing and performing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, if, if, uh, if we need a pause and, and you need to break anything out, I'm willing to do that. He was in a band. I didn't know that. He had band, his own yeah. band. What was the band's name? You know what? That's a long time ago, um, <laughs> and my focus is on the future. Yeah. Well, I guess it wasn't one of. It wasn't a great band. <laughs> what, what instrument did you play? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not someone that you can really box into one instrument. <laughs> um, yeah, so many, many instruments. Right. Um, well, you were in a band, but obviously, or you, you might have been in a band, but right. you're obviously a runner, <laughs> runner growing up, right? Uh, runner in high school, obviously, then uh-huh. off to Georgetown University. You ran for Georgetown? That's right. Yep. I ran in Georgetown. I graduated in 2003. I was a distance runner there. And uh, on the track, 5K and 10K, and then I ran uh, cross country as well. And obviously, you enjoyed it. What were some of the best uh, races that you had at Georgetown? Best races I had. You know, I, um, I think when you're in college and you're running, you, you think it's, uh, hey, you're, you're really focused on times and places and meets that you qualify for, but... Um, yeah, I think back uh, to a lot of the, the good teams we had. Like my junior year, we were seventh in NCAA's, and uh, a lot of my memories seventh in in, in cross country. Yeah, individual wow. in cross country. So a lot of my memories now are on, um, yeah, just being, uh, yeah, just doing something, doing something special with friends um, at that age in my life, and um, yeah. So so a lot of my favorite memories are ones where I was you know racing with teammates, or um, yeah, we were accomplishing. Um, yeah, accomplishing something that we were all working towards. So, um, yeah, I mean, I had races where I ran good times and things like that, but the memories at my age now are, are really doing it with, with friends. Now you're, wait, I have yeah. an important question. So sure. did your friends in college, did you make a fake fraternity? So our, the guys at UVA had this fake fraternity oh. called Kai Shai. That, Kai Shai. Yeah. That docs and I were <laughs> involved in. I would say the answer is no. So let me just answer for him, right. Joanna. I'm mean, taking shots here. Um, but, uh, 
No, that was unique to Virginia, Joanna. I uh, keep forgetting yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, well, can I ask another but, question? Yeah, then? no, that was a fair question, but yeah, okay. you can go ahead. Okay, so I feel like we skipped over high school. What, like, what made you choose Georgetown? Oh, sure. Um, let's see. Yeah, so I ran ran track and, and cross country in high school. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to to find a place where I could be um, be challenged, and um, Georgetown had a great um, middle distance and distance running tradition, and um, has had that tradition for a long time. And so, um, yeah, that was a place where, um, I knew it was going to make me better. And I think when you're, when you're choosing a college when you're a high school kid, then one of the options you have is you can go a place where you're, um, you know, you're, you're a top runner from the first day you're there, or you can go to a place where you at the kind of the bottom of the ladder and have to climb up. And that was certainly the case for Georgetown with me when I was, when I was that age. So, uh, so you ran for Pat Henner there, right? Correct. Yep. And, did you envision yourself as a coach no. when you were in when you were running oh. in college? No, heck no. In fact, I had some fr- teammates that wanted to get into coaching, and I was like, God, what, that is an <laughs> awful idea. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> right. I think by the end, um, by the end of it, I just really wanted some some time away from running, and I just felt like that was I was just gonna like remain trapped in this like running world of track meets and plus you had to give your band a chance I, you know and frankly like the the yeah the demands on the musical career were yeah. just mm-hmm. I mean, not could, very high people sure. say you can't do it both and you got to choose <laughs> you have I, to choose yeah. yeah and so so um, you chose the running obviously uh, <laughs> yeah no so no i took some time away from it and um yeah and, and i did have friends that um that got right into coaching and um and really enjoyed it but um yeah i think i think what part of my story was i got to i got to leave it and and um, yeah, go do other things. So you did. So you did other things. I know you were involved with the high altitude training out mm-hmm. in Flagstaff, right? Right. Uh huh. Yeah. Were you still training then, doing that, or what was the story? Yeah. So, there? so uh, let's see. I was uh, ten years ago. Now I was. Um, yeah, I was. I was still racing, and I qualified for the. I wanted to qualify for the Olympic trials and the marathon, and um, yeah, I knew that. Um, yeah, I knew that alt- uh, altitude was a great uh, option for. Um, a place to prepare aerobically, and so um, yeah, I went out to Flagstaff. I thought I'd stay maybe a month or so. I ended up staying like seven years. Wow. Um, anyway, so and that was with Jack Jack Daniels. Yeah. So I, yeah. So when I was I got a, I was out there and uh, I got a job at the Center for High Altitude Training, which is a uh, U.S. Olympic training site for long distance running. So mm-hmm. um, a, a site designation for um, through the U.S. Olympic Committee in Colorado Springs which is a training center. This is a training site. So uh, finances were uh, directed there to help U.S. distance runners. Um, and so uh, great physiologist, Dr. Jack Daniels, worked there. And I got a job working working with him. And so um, it's kind of like a dream. You're 26 years old and training and, you know, you get a little part-time job and they show you back to your office and here's your desk <laughs> and you're in this little room like this and <laughs> there's just this 75-year-old mad scientist guy in there and yeah and then he became a great friend i worked worked with him for years so um so you uh were were there and and worked with both uh elite athletes and uh kind of the masses as well right yeah yeah, the community runners yeah Yeah. so um yeah through the center we got to work with athletes from all around the world and not just in in running the center helped um, athletes in a variety of sports and usually usually sports that had an aerobic component, um, mm-hmm. which is why they're at altitude in the first place. But Jack was constantly doing testing, um, swimmers, triathletes, cyclists, um, shoot, rugby players, uh, Aussie rules football. There's just a, a crazy variety of athletes from around the world coming in and out of there. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and, and probably the top American distance talent at that time, the 
um, and probably, you know, 2006 through 2012 that were coming through Flagstaff uh, were all utilizing the center. Um, and so it was, it was a fabulous opportunity for me. Um, but we also had a community running club called Team Run Flagstaff, which mm-hmm. is um, going strong out there still. But, um, nice. yeah, we, we started Team Run Flagstaff and um, became a, an awesome uh, yeah, resource for the community out there. So, jo- Joanna... You had a you had a story about was it team run Flagstaff or something else? I'm putting you on the spot here. Mike, did you coach for the Run Smart Project? So maybe that was yes. later on. Yeah. Okay. Run Smart Project. Yeah. Okay. What's why why do you ask, Joanna? <laughs> because you coached me. Oh, really? For like four months. No way. Yeah, my parents got it for me as a Christmas present. <laughs> really? Oh, this is weird. That's that's really <laughs> funny. I, I literally Wait, what was this what year? Yeah, um, I think it was either 2009 or 2011. I can't remember. Which All right, join it. Take us through what was the Run Smart project. So your parents get you a, 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 a no way. <laughs> it is really funny. You get you a a, a a Christmas gift to be coached by uh, Mike Smith. Oh boy. at the Run Smart project. So how did it work? So um, I'm going to ask her before I ask you. Let me see if these details match up oh here. Well, f- <laughs> should so we should we isolate mine? Yeah, so let's <laughs> yeah. put them in a room. Put yeah. them in another room. Yeah, yeah exactly. My phone's on. Yeah. Um, so at the time, I I was pretty new to running. You know, I rode in college and I'd done a couple marathons my senior year of college, and I really wanted to get better at running. So my parents. Um, decided to get me a coach because they're like, you don't know what you're doing. Right. So they found this thing online called the run smart project. And I think, I think it was like maybe four or six months that they paid for and you sign up and then you get matched with, with a coach I thought. And I think Uh it's based on like what their availability is when you sign up. Um, and we never met. So it's just like over, over the internet and like over the phone. Wow. wow, that's that's pretty cool. And your experience was Joanna. It was good. Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> good. So, is that how you were called too, Mike? Uh, yeah. So, Run Smart Project was uh, founded uh, yeah in 2005 with uh, yeah by by some guys I used to race with. Um, to, uh, let's see, a guy from St. Joe's and then another guy from uh, UNC Charlotte. Um, yeah, they started an online coaching business. This was like before there was a lot of online coaching, and now there's there's a ton of it, but. Um, yeah, there was at the time like no one doing it. And yeah. So, um, yeah, it was cool. And it, it just at that time just took off. And so um, I was training for at marathons um, in the trials in November of 07. But it was a it was a great way to do some. It was kind of like my first entry into really coaching other people. Um Wow. So, uh, so I like to think that I helped you get where you are right, today. Right, right, really, right. Wow. <laughs> he's the director of Georgetown, great. and you got to thank Joe basically because of yeah, me. That's right. Yeah. So we, yeah, so we get, um, yeah, you get profiles of uh, you know people out there and work with them on kind of what they were by email, um, about you know what they're getting ready for, and yeah, it was a, I did it for maybe I want to say two or three years, but it was a, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So eventually, the the project out there dissolves. Why did it end up d- dissolving? Oh, the the Hyde Center. Yeah, uh, you know what funding? So, I'm uh, sure. Yes, yeah, so, you know it wasn't from the U.S. Olympic Committee. Um, the, the the site designation went to Northern Arizona University. Okay. Um, and uh, NAU, um, like many universities, are faced with budget restrictions, and um, yeah, they determined that um, the Olympic training site was not something that they wanted to continue to fund. Um, and so, yeah, it was an incredible loss to the community. That's I think. too bad. Um, yeah, just very, uh, yeah, very disappointing to lose the Olympic rings, lose Dr. Daniels in a, in a small town like Flagstaff. It was something that really, um, set us apart from, 
Yeah, set us apart from a lot of altitude locations out there. The ability to fly the Olympic rings. Um, yeah, have a world-class physiologist. Um, you know. Yeah, that's... It, it, so anyway, so it was an incredible loss to the community. Um, but the a lot of what we did still... Uh, Still pushed on privately, mm-hmm. um, and I was able to keep working with a lot of the folks that were involved in the training center um, through a through a private enterprise called Hypo Two Sport Management, okay. um, which I continue to work for until yeah until I came out here to Georgetown. So that, that but that eliminated kind of the full time work uh, that you had, and, so, and you needed something else at that point, right? Well, yeah. So I, I mean, I kept working full time uh, with with Hypo Two, okay. um, but uh, yeah, instead of doing it through uh you know u.s olympic committee um we just did it privately so we pretty much took the same clients and told them hey different operation now so yeah Uh, took the joanna russo's of the world and said different operation (laughs) that's right yeah yeah all right so you uh you you end up here so how does it how do you transition from beautiful flagstaff to the heart of everything here in dc and georgetown yeah I mean, it's quite a difference than, you know, Flagstaff and Georgetown are, are, are yeah. pro- probably polar opposites. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's quite a difference. Um, yeah, it, it, was, it was hard. It was, this was a great opportunity uh, as a coach um, to coach at a top Division One university. It was a place where um, I went to school, so it's close to my heart. And, yeah, it was, it was something that I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't pass up. But, um I really, really love living in Flagstaff. So that was, um, yeah, sort of a personal and professional sort of battle there. Um, it, it was, it was difficult. What really helped was that this is where I'd gone to school and, and right. DC was a familiar place. I actually, um, after college worked for two years, um, teaching elementary school in the, in the district at a DC public school in, in Southeast. And, um, yeah, so between that experience and then, I'm um, going to college here. I felt like DC was a place close to my heart. No, okay. and actually, I read on your bio today that you graduated from AU. I didn't know. That's right. Yeah, I went to grad school at America. So, were yeah. you teaching and then going to grad school at AU? Too? Yeah, yeah. Um, shoot, this is like so long ago, but um, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I went to grad school at American. Um, okay, but yeah, so I was teaching and going to grad school at night at the time. Yeah, so so anyway, DC was a place that was familiar and close to my heart, and that was. Yep. Um, it wasn't like I was going somewhere that was completely new. Or something like that. And I mean the opportunity to coach at Georgetown, as you mentioned before, you guys were seventh at NCAA's. Right, right. Um, and I guess you started coaching. Now you're in charge of both programs, but right. you started coaching the women. Just right? women. Yeah. So we, you know, coaching is this crazy, like weird business, and it's there's a, a million people that love running and want to get into coaching, and in college coaching, it's like man there's just so um yeah so few opportunities and there's a lot of people just climbing the ranks i mean i know great great coaches out there that are volunteers or you know graduate assistants and they're making like pennies right. for the chance someday to like do this kind of like my, how i broke into music um, <laughs> you know but um no they're like waiting in the wings for their big opportunity and maybe they're working their way through division three or division two trying to get you know, into division one or trying to get a, you know, an assistant job if you're a grad assistant and from an assistant job to a head job and from a head job to a director. And it's, it's, it's like this crazy weird business. Um, people are like living in janitor closets, just like (laughs) sleeping on floors, trying to make it. But, um, yeah, I got, I got a call and living in flag, um, had to come be the head, 
head cross country coach uh, for the women at Georgetown University, which the year before they'd won a national championship. Wow! Um, and just yeah, you don't you don't get calls like that very often in coaching. Um, and so anyway, it was uh, yeah, just an just unbelievable a, opportunity that. Yeah. And it was just because of your relationship with the director at the time, Pat Pat Henner, and sure. and your coaching experience, because you weren't a co- college coach at that point, right? right? No, yeah. So exactly. So usually, typically, um, yeah, somebody in my in my position is has been already already been coaching in college. I've been working with the professional athletes at the uh, Olympic training site and with Hypo Two. Um, you know, but these were. You know, a lot of the athletes that I was working with and their coaches and, and you know, the day-to-day training, um, these were these were people that were were out of college. And so, right. Um, right. Yeah. So you, you say that the coaching industry is, is crazy. Yeah. And you're coming from uh, working with a mad scientist named Jack Daniels <laughs> That's in right. Flagstaff, Arizona. That's right. Yeah. All right. That's right. Just to put it in perspective, it's how crazy perspective. the coaching Yeah, right. That's is. right. That's right. right. Yeah. What I was doing was pretty crazy. But, um, yeah, the coaching, the coaching business is still – the coaching business is, is crazy in a different way. But absolutely. <laughs> um, so you we, we covered how you got the job uh-huh. and, and, and a, a phenomenal uh, opportunity – and I, we'll talk about kind of what, what the the team has done and what um, yeah. you know what what you guys hope to do this upcoming season. Right. But uh, what kind of I mean, what kind of athlete are you guys searching for there at Georgetown? Yeah, that's one of the one of the coolest things about my job is that um, recruiting is this huge part of what we do, but we get to recruit the best of the best of the best. So. Um, Cross country, uh, as we know, is one of the highest uh, participatory uh, sports from middle school to high school um, across the country, and so just it's a it's just a huge, huge um, uh, you know population of young kids that are running cross country um, all across America, and um, yeah, the ones that get really, really good, uh, we we follow, and then even amongst those people, we choose a select few that uh, we make contact with. Heading into their senior high school, and we talk to them about, um, yeah, their thoughts about running in college, and then from those people, we'll ask some to come visit Georgetown, and from even that group, um, we'll we'll ask some of those to come to Georgetown, and even in that group, they still have to you know yeah. choose Georgetown over a lot of other fabulous places they can go to school. So um, it's a crazy process of elimination, and it's. Um, you know, it's a, it's a huge part of what we do. But what's really amazing about it is we get to just talk to really, really amazing, uh, talented high school athletes. And, and, and it's super comp- – I mean, I'm sure it's super competitive in the recruiting process. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you doing things like home visits mm-hmm. and you're doing – I mean, obviously they're coming in and you're mm-hmm. – I mean, you're doing all that, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I got, I got in at 1 o'clock in the morning last night from a home visit uh, last night with a, a talented athlete – um, you know, a couple hours drive away. Um, but you know, we're, we're flying to recruits houses and meeting with families and, um, yeah, this time of year, especially the falls are really busy time because there's a, um, a national letter of intent signing period in November. And so mm-hmm. September and October is the time when we're really trying to get people to commit to Georgetown, uh, trying to steal them away from our competition <laughs> Our competition is trying to steal them away from us. Right. Uh, so yeah, so this is like a, a pretty important time for recruiting. Um, so yeah, so it's a huge part of what we do, but it's, it's really, it's an honor because you're man, sometimes like I'll find myself, I'm in the living room of, you know, you're talking to like, teenage prodigies right. what they do i mean they're talking to you know 
you know, the top, you know, 0.001% of athletes that will, you know, and students probably and students too. as well. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And students and, and, and right. And they're choosing, um, again, like to choose, you know, to be in a place where we're talking about coming to Georgetown and, um, and some of them, you know, some of them are, are worthy enough of, you know, scholarship dollars. And that's just, a um, yeah, sometimes you're talking to kids that are going to get, you know, you're offering a full scholarship to George. Georgetown's $65,000 a year. <laughs> oh my God. Right. So wow. a full scholarship to Georgetown is like a quarter of a million bucks. And for, for, for the four years. Wow. Four years. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's a, Quick math. It's yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's an amazing, it's, it's just a really special thing. So how do you like sell me on Georgetown? Like if you're in this, uh, yeah. you know, girls house with her, I mean, sell me on Georgetown. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, I, I think it's, I, I think if, if these recruits are doing their homework, they're going to find that, um, there, there's few schools that have had, um, yeah, have, that have had the, the presence that we've had on a national scale for the last 40 years consistently, on uh, the last 25 years of the NCAA championship. So just to give you some perspective on this. So yeah, 335 Division One women's cross-country teams. Of, of those, every year the top 30 go to the NCAA cross-country meet. Mm-hmm. So in the top 30 teams in the country just go to the national meet. So um, Georgetown's been uh, to the national meet 24 of the last 25 years. So we've been in the wow. top 30 24, 24 of the last 25 years. Out of those 335 teams. Out of those wow. 335 teams. Ready for this one? 19 of those 25 years we've been in the top 10. Wow. So uh, our expectation is not just that we're at the national meet, but we're a contender for national titles um, and that we're, we're placing in the top 10. Um, that's our goal year in and year out. And, and the consistency of that is, I think, just, just speaks alone. Um, so we've got an incredibly, uh, yeah, an incredibly special uh, group of athletes at Georgetown. But at the same time, you can get a world-class education. This is one of the top-ranked academic institutions in the in the country. And if you're looking to combine great athletics with great academics, they're just yeah. There's there's very few places that can offer what what we do uh, combined. So um, if people do their homework and really look into things, they're going to find it's a it's a way to to open phenomenal doors through your running for, for things well beyond running. I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> like also when you're, when you're recruiting them, do you sell uh-huh. them on, on uh, Georgetown, the area or DC, the area? What are some of the things outside yeah. of yeah. the university, outside of the running that, that you can sell on, on, on the mm-hmm. area? Yeah. So usually we're going head to head with these other schools. Like it's really weird. You're like fighting over like 17 year olds. kind of <laughs> strange, but, um, but one of the things that really is helpful for us um, is like, this area is an awesome place to be a young person. It's an awesome place to go to college. And um, it's especially helpful when you're recruiting against, like, um, I won't say their names, but, you know, they, you got Yeah, those big schools that are prob- probably also in the top 10. Right. Yeah. So they, we can, we, we, they know, we can they know look they at, are. yeah, they exactly. We can look through uh, the list. But anyway, so, you know, some of those places are like, you know, um, you know, outside of going to Cracker Barrel, they're not, you know, phenomenal <laughs> places to. Uh, you know, um, you know, spend your time. So, um, what's really cool is that, you know, being 18 to 22 years old, um, you know, living on that campus and, and exploring that surrounding area and having, I mean, shoot, the Pope is coming, I know, you know, to campus and just talking on, you know, when the Pope comes to DC, where does he speak? Georgetown. Um, you know, the, the types of offerings that are just, you know, coming out of there, um, it's it's phenomenal. So to be a young person to have all that right there and at the same time to be able to pursue your dreams as a as a runner, um, yeah, shoot, I mean you can kind of have it all. 
Um, and so do you also talk with recruits about um, places that they'll be running in D.C.? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, w- what's really cool is when you're like just bragging about where we live, <laughs> um, one of the things that they're totally shocked about is they think D.C. is, you know, they, they just think this East Coast city. So they think Boston and New York and, and right. uh, you know, Philly. And they, they're shocked to find out what crazy amazing awesome places we have to run here and so um big thing in my job is trying to keep these great athletes healthy right and so finding soft surfaces for them to run on mm-hmm. is really important to me right out our front door at georgetown between the cno and uh the um the trails right from campus and rock creek park and roosevelt island it's just like all that stuff is like right at our door and i don't know i mean there's there's rural campuses other places where you're running on the shoulder some paved you know road out there um, there are places that you'd be shocked to find that don't have soft services like we do here in Washington, D.C. So um, it's a real testament to, to just what a running town it is. And, and, you know, you don't just have to be a student at Georgetown to benefit from that. That's for, that's for everyone. So where are you guys doing your, yeah, specifically like your long runs, your tempo runs, and your track workouts? Where are those all happening? All right, well, check this out. Okay, let me just give you a rundown of what we've accessed in the last seven days. Okay. Okay. Yeah, give us the last seven All right. days. The last seven days in Washington, D.C. Okay, so check this out. So on Sunday, you're going to find us at Great Falls. Okay. Do you have like vans take kids out yep. there? Yep, take some vans, just shoot over to Great Falls, ho home, just do a world-class run. <laughs> it's true. Um, along the Potomac, no big deal. Okay, so um, long run out there at Great Falls. Okay. Um, Monday, they're doing their runs from campus on the uh, Glover Archibald uh, trails right right there. Um, Tuesday, we're on the CNO Canal towpath, knocking out a sub-threshold. Okay, oh, midweek, haven't even touched pavement yet. All right. Um, <laughs> tomorrow morning, you can find us at the polo fields where we're going to um, put on spikes and do a cross-country workout. And then Saturday, they're going to be in Rock Creek Park. So one, two, three, four, five. That's five places, five different places we're going to run in one week. And that's just this week. That is is pretty phenomenal. And no one touched pavement once. And we're we're in a, you know. An urban setting. No one would, yeah, no one would think that. People are shocked to find that out. I mean, really, it's like, it's, it's, and I love that when I'm talking to families. And I I mean, I just, at this home visit last night, I just got this from the mom. She's like, so where do you guys run? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, you, let me just tell you about where we run. So, and and what kind of like, just using this person, not saying her name, but who, what kind of credentials are we talking about? This athlete you were talking to, for example, last night. Yeah, I mean, you're talking to, um, yeah, this is um, this is a, this, this is, is a the top athlete. This is the right? top 800 meter runner in the United States of America, and we're you know sharing a meal in her kitchen with her mom and dad, and she's going to choose between this place and the other top two or three institutions in America or, you know, over that, over, you know, um, going, you know, turning professional and signing with a, a shoe company. So that's the type wow. of athlete that we're talking to. Yeah. And I have some insider on this cause my wife, Julie also works for Georgetown. So I know a lot of these, so that's I right. sound like I know like all this stuff, but yeah, sorry. That's why I'm asking all the questions. I'm not hogging so, the mic. Right. Yeah, just, okay. just so Tell the audience knows. Whatever you want, Actually, let me, I want to, <laughs> let me jump in on that. Yeah, so you yeah, said, can I sell Georgetown? So, yeah. um, I mean, you get not only coach Mike mm-hmm. as uh women's cross country coach, but yeah, we um, we also have a just an incredible coaching staff, and and one of them is um, someone you might know, Miss Julie Cully, 2012 U.S. Olympian in the 5,000 meters, and so um, 
yeah, just super, uh, yeah, just super thankful to have someone um, as a an inspiration and a, and a walking, breathing example to our young women of um, yeah, what you can do if you really stay with this thing. So we get that every day. And and you, so you're the director, and and, and your primary a lot of your focus is it's everything, but it's the women's program. And the in the men's program, in charge of the men's program is. Mm. Yep. So, um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, Brandon Bonzi is the men's distance coach. So I'm the director and I oversee the programs. Got but, it. um, yeah. So, um, Brandon, uh, coach Bonzi is, is doing a great job with the men's team. They're ranked 16th in the United States right now. So they're, they're a very strong program. Um, so when you were talking about how you would sell Georgetown to a recruit, you didn't yeah. really talk about yourself. Oh, so shoot. can you talk <laughs> a little right. about like your coaching philosophy and all right. So to come to Georgia, you're going to have to put up with my bad jokes. Okay. <laughs> they, they tell me I repeat the jokes a lot. Uh, so, um, Anyway, well, we but, haven't heard them. So anything that you needed to say, go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I won't even do that to you because yeah, yeah. you know what? You got someone that downloaded this, and you don't want them to yeah, stop download halfway it again. through. Yeah, right? yeah, that's so, a good point. Um, anyway, <laughs> the um, yeah, so well, it yeah. doesn't change our numbers. Yeah, <laughs> so we still get downloads. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. So yeah, I mean, I I've been around a lot of different things in my running, and uh, and yeah, my we talked a little bit about my my different avenue into um, into coaching. It wasn't like I just got you know, got started on college coaching, like right out of college or, you know, right after I was finished being a competitive athlete. But, um, yeah, I got to be around some of the best coaches in the world by working at the Olympic training site. I got to work with a physiologist, um, for years. And, and I, I mean, I majored in English. Um, I had no science background and here I am doing like VO2 and lactate testing with, you know, one of the most prominent minds in, um, you know, in, in, uh, yeah, coaching doctrine, you know, today. So, um, I, I just feel like my, uh, my resources and my, my avenue into this were, were, um, kind of outside the box, but, um, that's, what's made me, I feel like the, uh, the type of coach that I am. And so I'm, I'm really proud of that. I'm proud of that, that route into it. Um, I, uh, I coach a small team. So, so the, the athletes I directly coach, we have about a group of 20 and, um, it's very personal to me. And so I, I like our group size and I like how, um, I feel like I'm, um, yeah, working really closely with each of those 20 athletes on this, on this little project for each of them. So, um, yeah, we, we take a lot of time to get to know, um, the, the athletes that choose to come to Georgetown and, um, yeah, it becomes a, a journey for each of us. And, um, so yeah. it's not necessarily like high mileage for everybody. It's, it's oh, really individualized. Yeah, so I mean, well, the training is yeah, the training is different for for everyone, and that's easy to say. I think a lot of coaches yeah, say that. Yeah, sure. Right? The coaches say, "Oh, we individualize training," but um, you know, that's something that we're really we're really proud of, and our group size it has a lot to do with that because we're like I said, it's a it's a group of twenty, so um, it's completely possible to just be giving people exactly what they need. Yeah. Um, so let's get let's go through like uh, like what would you said a threshold workout uh-huh. like what does that what does that mean? Yes, yeah, so a threshold. Uh, threshold is you know it's, it's one of those words in, in when we're talking about training that you know people say tempo run or they say uh, lactate threshold or uh, um, anaerobic threshold. Uh, um, yeah, for us when we use the general term threshold, we're talking about yeah what a lot of people would call tempo run. So okay. um, sustained efforts where we're clearing lactate just as fast as we're creating it. So we're not in an anaerobic state. We're in a, it's an aerobic effort. Um, for the young women at Georgetown, we're typically working in the area of four to six miles of work for those. Okay. Um, and in younger athletes, we, we really break those efforts up. So we give them, we intersperse little bouts of rest in between those, but we want to have short rest 
so that we don't completely clear out that all that lactate. So um, one minute or, or two minutes of rest, something like that, we might break up a four, four or six mile bout of threshold. So um, yeah, that's a, that's one of the bases of uh, uh, of what we do um, for the aerobic foundation, and 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 that aerobic system is developed long beyond college. So that's something that can be applied for you know for anyone listening who's um, you know trying to get better in in their in their running. So how about the so that's the Wednesday session and then tomorrow's session is going to be at the polo fields putting on the spikes probably right, a little faster. Yeah. What was that entail? So in women's cross country we raced six thousand meters and those are uh, shoot they're, 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 those races last about twenty minutes mm-hmm. and so um, they're they're fast they're hard they're um, highly anaerobic and so this time of year in September our national meet is the. Uh, end of November. Mm-hmm. And so right now we're trying to do a lot of uh, what we'll call anaerobic callousing, which is getting them used to uh, high uh, bouts of lactate and having to operate through that. And so it's um, it's, not a lot, <laughs> it's not a lot of fun to go through it. Right. You just like to have a workout where you're like, oh man, this is... Like tonight, we're like they're in their dorms or in right. their apartments <laughs> right. and they're like, my life is going to suck tomorrow morning. Right. Like they're, they, that's the they're exact, preparing mentally. Yeah, like everyone rest, is like... Thinking, hydrating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. exactly... Yeah. It's, it's like almost like the night before a race for them right. because that's that's going to hurt a lot tomorrow. Um, but that's that's what we have to do. And, and you have to be really careful where you insert those. You probably get... I don't know, every 10 days to two weeks, you get a, a chance to put one of those in, but you can't put them in too often because they, mm-hmm. they take so much to recover from. So uh, we have to be really careful where we insert those type of workouts, but they're they're really necessary for, for what we do. So, um, yeah, as a coach, you have to kind of get over this feeling of like, feeling like a bad guy when you're giving them like really difficult things because <laughs> right. they're all like oh, why are you doing like this this is but, terrible homework um, assignment for them tomorrow morning yeah exactly yeah. exactly so um but anyway it's uh yeah so so there's great variety in what we do every day has a purpose every day is different um but yeah um so what is your and i'm, I'm going down my list of, of questions here and again you guys jump into um now I feel like I'm truly interviewing you here, but uh, what's your fa- favorite part of, of of Georgetown? A lot of positives there, and yeah. and I'm sure there's a ton of challenges too. So give me a challenging and specific something specific that's your favorite part, or something specific that's really challenging for you there. Oh, let's see. Um, favorite part. Um, you know, I I feel really confident in what when I'm uh, like we talked about recruiting. Like when I'm selling this place, I mean it's it's really cool to work somewhere where you feel like what you're telling people is is exactly what they're going to get or and beyond um that's i don't know that's awesome like i i I don't know i I know i recruit against a lot of people that have to sell their place and have to tell kids this is the best place for you to go right it's going to be this and that and i i don't know if that's I i can't see how they can actually think that um it's really awesome to be able to be in a living room with a mom and a dad and a and a high school athlete and tell them, come here, you're going to get a world-class education, you're going to have some of the best training partners, you're going to run these phenomenal places, you're going to get to be a young person in Washington, D.C., you're going to be on a team trying to win a national championship, um, you know, you're going to have a, a really talented coaching staff, and, and, and not just, and really mean that, I mean, that's right. a... That's a. That's just a. I feel really fortunate for that that I get to work somewhere and um, and really believe in what I'm saying. Um, so I feel. I'm, yeah, that I'm, is I'm lucky that is that. awesome. Yeah. How about it? How about it, something that's it's challenging? 
Challenging. Um, yeah, you know, Georgetown is limited in certain resources that, um, yeah, that we, you know, it's not, a, it's not perfect. And, and um, when you're so highly invested in athletes, like you're, you know, you're, you're sharing the highs and lows and seeing them go through all this stuff. Like you feel like you'll do anything for them when, if there's, if there's something they're not getting or something that's not perfect. I mean, you, I don't know. It's gotta be like what a parent feels like just when they're, when, you know, when their kid is, uh, you know, you, you see everything behind the scenes and what they're going through and you know that, you know, this little change could make something better. And you know, that's, that's tough as a coach, but, um, yeah. We, and, I, and I think that's, pro- I mean, that's probably not unique to Georgetown. It's right. Just yeah, running I think it's probably everywhere. Gen- yeah, it's probably everywhere. I mean, that is, right. that is a great, Right. So yeah, so we um you know, but we push through those things and and you know, running is this crazy thing where um it's you know, when you when you compare what we do to a lot of other Olympic sports, you know, some of the best runners in the world from, you know, the sprinters in Jamaica to distance runners in East Africa come from some of the poorest places and and it's a it's one of those beautiful things even in the modern era of how far we've advanced in all these areas that it's very pure thing of trying to get from point A to point B faster than somebody else um, requires very little. David Radisha, yep. um, who's almost broken 140 for an 800, is the uh, 2012 Olympic champion. He, he still he still trains on a dirt track. Um, Usain Bolt um, trains in a grass field. I mean, Usain Bolt. Right. Um, and so, anyway, it's... I remind our athletes that all the time that um, we have so much. We have way more than we need to be to be great at what we do, and and it's good to to have that kind of a voice with with young people. Are you trying to convince the athletic director to go to a um, dirt track? That's right. That's right. <laughs> we want a dirt track. That's right. <laughs> so what what is the outlook for this 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 year's team? Oh man. Um, okay. So yeah, women's cross country. Uh, we are as we speak right now. We're ranked fifth in the wow. in the nation. Um, and we're coming off a year. We just finished fourth last year at the NCAA cross country meet. Um, but we lose our number one runner and in cross country scoring. Um, your your first runner is a. Um, yeah, typically really, really important part of your score if they can be what we call a low stick, so a low score. In uh, cross-country, the lowest score is is the best. So right. we add up our top five runners. And, um, yeah, so last year our, our first runner was what we would call a low stick. She was a um, single-digit scorer uh, in most of our meets, and um, her graduation certainly affects our, our team score. So um, it's, it's a loss, but we – What's cool about that is it gives some of these younger athletes the chance to step up. So we're waiting to see who who that will be and how exactly that's going to happen. Um, so that's the fun part of what we do. Um, but we'll yeah we'll compete uh, a week from tomorrow up at the coast to coast Battle of Beantown. <laughs> uh, BC hosted meetup at Historic nice. Franklin Park uh, in Boston. Um, that's next Friday, and then um, yeah then we'll be at the Paul Short meet, which is hosted by Lehigh the following mm-hmm. weekend. Um, the pre-national meet in Louisville, Kentucky, that's mid-October. Then we'll go to our conference meet, which is the Big East Championships. That's hosted by Xavier in Ohio. We'll we'll see conference rivals Villanova in Providence, some familiar East Coast uh, running foes there. Then we'll go to the uh, NCAA regional meet two weeks after that. And then the NCAA national meet, that's November 21st in Louisville, Kentucky. Where's, where's your regional? Uh, the the regional is at Princeton, Princeton, New Jersey. Is it in Princeton every year? Oh, it is not. No, that 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 meat moves around quite it's, a bit. It yeah. rotates. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, yeah. So. I'm, I'm, we got a store obviously up in Princeton. Might have to take a road trip. That's right. All right, we'll, we'll be that'll looking be good, for you. That'll be a good time. Um, 
you also um, are the director of the program. How the how the men um, kind of looking for this this year in cross country? Yeah, so men uh, are ranked 16th right now. Okay. Um, yeah, and they're um, they're a talented squad. I mean, they've got um, what's what's interesting between the men and the women. So the women run 6,000 meters. The men run 10,000 meters. Mm-hmm. So for me, as a women's coach, I can move a middle distance runner, say a miler, up to 6k way easier than a men's coach is going to move like an 800 miler up to the 10k so that's a lot harder so mm-hmm. um the men's side what you're really looking for is these like true distance runners but occasionally you can get a middle distance guy aerobically fit enough over time to really contribute in cross country and that's what we're seeing at georgetown this year so we've got um we've got some good distance runners with the uh, U.S. Junior 10K champ um, from two years ago, John Green, um, who's a you know just a true 5K 10K guy. We got Darren Fahey, who had a great USA meet in the steeplechase. Um, but then you know we've got some middle distance runners, some sub four minute milers that were hoping to get strong enough to compete good 10K cross country. So um, yeah, we've got a lot to be seen. I think on both genders, but the men's side, um, you yeah, know, we're definitely looking to be a top 15 team. Can you tell us some stories that uh, your kids think they don't that you don't know? Oh, that, that, that the kids think uh, that the kids think that I don't know mm-hmm. about them. Yeah, exactly. Like. <laughs> yeah, um, they're funny. Yeah, so like they, um, yeah, you know, you get in this weird spot where they kind of like treat you like like a parent, like where they're like, you know, whatever I say like isn't cool, and like <laughs> like when I approach them, like they're talking like, oh, he's he's right there like <laughs> like um, so anyway, it's it's um, yeah, that that stuff is it's funny, but um. Yeah, they. I mean, they're they're hilarious in lots of ways. Like, um, it's a lot of things. Like, like I was driving through campus the other day, and like, you know, one of them, you know, what they all like, girlfriends and boyfriends and things like that. And this girl is like walking with her boyfriend, and like, um, is holding his hand. And then I just happen to drive down this road, and they're like, they're like right in front of me, and just like, (laughs) all right, I just. But she turns and she sees me, and she just throws his hand down and it's like it's like oh i would never know that she's a boyfriend and like just looks like oh so embarrassed that i saw her whatever um i don't know they you know they yeah they go through really you know normal 18 to 22 year old things and um do you have dating rules for your team no no shoot i do i do not want to coaches have that yeah really yeah Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay i know of two teams specifically really yeah okay at au that there's one team that the coach which tells them you're not allowed to have a boyfriend or girlfriend oh, shoot. during the season. I don't know, man. I yeah. just, I mean, we get, you know what? This this stuff is weird. I mean, it is just like you're asking 18 to 22 year olds to not, I mean, in running, especially, like a lot of these sports in college, they have off seasons and you can just be a normal kid. This stuff doesn't stop. They come back in August, cross country goes till November, indoor starts in, in December, indoor goes till March, outdoor starts in March, and that goes till June. I mean, it doesn't shut off. It, it's there around the clock, nonstop. And if they try to be like a normal college student at this level, they're going to get killed. And so I want the little pieces and little pockets of their life where they can be normal. I want them to be normal. So I'm not trying to get That's too good. involved. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. How was how going through life with uh, the name Mike Smith? It's crazy. I mean, you know, a lot of people will say... <laughs> Is that really your name? And it's, uh, yeah, it really is. But I don't, I, that always, that always stumps me because it seems like you could be a lot more plain, like John Smith or <laughs> Jim true. Smith or John Jones. Well, what like, is your middle initial? D. 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 Mm. So close to E. Mm. 
Yeah, they're they're they're, they're E yeah. and E, so they they've yeah. got this whole E thing going. Yeah. E is for elitist. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Uh, I I'd say it's easier to go through life as Mike Smith than Chris Farley, or Jack Daniels, who we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So, Jack, um, Jack. yeah, I mean Jack. Well, it's Daniels. like the the story of Mike Smith working in a lab with Jack Daniels sounds a little made up. <laughs> I know, definitely. It's like witness protection program. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, you want to know the real story? How I got this job? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So the government calls me up. They they just send you this thing. They're like your new name and your assignment. And yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. We want you in D.C. You're closer to us. We can meet. Okay, come to Langley every Tuesday morning. I do that. Um, and then it's like you know they they give you the name. And you know, you'd think in witness protection, like they'd come up with like names that really blend in. But I mm-hmm. look at the, I look at the file, and it's like Mike Smith. When when the when they came up with that name, they uh, uh, the guy had like a party to go to. He was like, I just <laughs> yeah, hurry up, mailed it in. Yeah. And he's like, all right, here you go, here you go. Okay, I gotta go. Mike Smith. Uh, anyway, yeah. So gotta go meet my girlfriend. She was cross real... country at Georgetown. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the real story. How I got this, uh, got this job. I, I think yeah. he's. Being facetious, I think, but you never you, know. But well, you never know. I don't know. You never know. I don't know. It's too uh-huh. hard to tell. Um, okay, I have one more question. One more then. question. Yeah. Okay, so it's kind of a two-parter. So okay, I'm ready. It, so it, then two more questions. Two more. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say two more questions. Okay. Right. So it sounds like you really like living in Flagstaff. So my questions are: What meal or restaurant do you miss most from Flagstaff, and oh what meal or restaurant do you like most in DC? Oh, I'm wow. hungry. So you're hungry. Okay, yeah. just on my mind. We oh have man. raisins. <laughs> yeah, we have raisins. Yeah. Um, Oh shoot! Okay, all right. So yeah, I do I do really miss um, flag stuff a lot. I go back every summer. Um, yeah, so there it is crazy. You know, you're in the desert, high desert of Arizona. It's the last place you would want to get raw fish. But I'm telling you, there's a sushi place in Flagstaff, Arizona. It's called Karma Sushi, um, and it is right in downtown Flag. And it's like. Yeah, I've never. In, is that what the locals call it? Flag. Flag. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so if I so, ever go, I gotta be like. Oh, yeah, flag. you call it flag. Yeah, okay. and you call and you actually call the drive from Phoenix to Flag because Phoenix is at like two thousand feet, and Flag's at seven thousand feet. You say you call it um, going up the hill. So that's called the hill. <laughs> the hill so like, yeah. I, like you might say like, is anyone going up the hill? Like, can I get right up the hill? And that's the drive from Phoenix to Flagstaff. Do I've you done, think anybody I've capital bike shares up that hill, Chris? And, or you can also go down the hill. You can say, is anyone going down the hill? And that's the drive you know, to Phoenix. So right. getting a ride to the airport, something like that. But, um, yeah, so karma, uh, sushi is, um, yeah, this is incredible. So when I was 26 years old, I got the flag and, um, before, um, I got my job at the altitude center, like day one, I was standing there, um, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to run like 120 miles a week and I just need to somehow make money to pay rent. Um, and so I walked into, this is one of the first places I walked into and I just said, are you hiring? And they were like, well, no, have you, but you can fill out an application. So I'm filling out the application. The guy said, have you ever worked in a restaurant? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, you can't work here. So and I was like, okay. And then he just is like, where are you from? And I was like, Washington, D.C. He's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I'm like here to train. And he's like, I'm like, oh, I just got here. I got here yesterday. I don't know anybody in this town. So I was like, if you hire me, I can work anytime you want because I have full availability. I don't even have any place to be. And he's like, no, nah, you can't work here. And <laughs> so I go home, and I'm, that's that. Um, and that night, I, my, my, I get this phone call, and it's this manager at Karma Sushi. And the guy's like, the guy, this is so flagstaff. The guy's like, the, 
the hostess the hostess didn't come in. She's going to a concert. Can you come in tonight? <laughs> so you worked that night? So I worked that night. And uh, and then I ended up working there for three all through training through the Olympic trials. Um, I'd work at the Altitude Center during the day. And on Friday and Saturday nights, I'd go, uh, yeah, go to this place and, and sell sushi. But um, that fueled my running. I mean, that was what I lived off of is that place. And to this day, it's my favorite sushi. Like, this summer, I go to the USA track and field meet. We have uh, Rachel Schneider competing, fly into Phoenix, drive up the hill. My first stop is, um, yeah, Karma Sushi. So it's a it's an awesome It looks place. like a cool – I'm looking it up on the internet right yeah, now. It looks like a really cool sure. spot. Always a good idea during the podcast to give Farley something to Google. Well, I was <laughs> hoping that he, his picture would come up as the host. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was, I mean, that was a long, that was yeah, a long been, time ago. Right, yeah, but okay. actually, there's a recent Georgetown grad who just moved to flag to train for the nice. Olympic trials. And he's like, what do I do? He's like, this is our exact exchange. He's like, I need a job. And I was like, have you ever worked in a restaurant? He's like, no. I was like, I got a place. <laughs> and so, don't let them say that they don't have work. Just right. just go in there, fill out the so application. He's actually, They'll call you. He's the host at Karma Sushi right now. And he's a Georgetown <laughs> nice. guy. Yeah, nice. Tradition continues. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, okay, so part two, George. W- so part two is DC. Yeah, is DC um DC eating? Oh shoot. Um yeah, I mean it's uh I'm I'm a foodie and I'm pretty picky and um I yeah, I, I'm not um I'm not huge on on I'm not huge on Georgetown dining. Um okay. uh, I'm, I'm with them actually. I was I was there. I lived there for I mean no offense, but uh I lived there for 4 months. Well, That's you can uh, tell us all about it when we interview you. Okay, right okay. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um you know, yeah, I mean I I well, you can pick a place outside of Georgetown. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Georgetown dining for me, just I just haven't. It just hasn't hit me yet. Um, dang, I wish I knew the name of the place I had tacos uh, two nights ago in on Fourteenth Street. Oh, was it? Um, was it? Um, oh, the little taco place. It's like on. Uh, is it T or S? It's like next to the bake shop. Whatever the taco place is next to Red Derby. Uh, diner. I'm looking that up. Fourteenth uh, Street on f- Upper Fourteenth. Oh, so that's up in like Columbia Heights. Columbia Heights, man. I mean, that was that was no joke. Um, that those tacos were lights out, unreal, and it was like terrible service, and really <laughs> there was no there was no sign in the front. Um, and I just got the I just got this this tip that these were unreal tacos. Someone said they were the best tacos um, that you can get in DC, and I'll tell you what they were. It's not really DC Caf Cafe. It's uh, on the same side of the road, and it's like right there. It's right next to it. I mean, there's no signs. So I don't think okay. you can look it up. Okay. Um, Go to the Red Derby and then find the taco and place then walk next, next door. To, yeah. Yeah. So, um, actually, here's a place in Georgetown: Farmers Fishers Bakers down at the waterfront. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And that that restaurant group has uh, put a priority on their ingredients, and that's a it's it's high quality food. I don't mind paying that their price point. Um, I, I'm, I still look for great sushi, um, in DC and, um, nothing has, nothing has beat, nothing's karma. Nothing's karma. karma. no yeah. good karma in DC. <laughs> That's it. Is it El Amigo? Is it La Cabana? Uh, again, no sign. Just go to the, just go to the Red I mean, Derby, you, walk yeah. next door. If you want to go there, you, you have to have a little bit of an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Don't make it easy. Be, let me tell you what though. There's no sign. So right. just so walk find in a, find and a taco start place tasting no signs. tacos. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's yeah. possible you walk into somebody's house. That's the risk. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's fine. That's the risk. Um, How far will you go for tacos? Yeah. For Three. good ones. I mean, let's go. 
here's 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 my question as a georgetown employee yeah do you have access to the dining hall yeah, I, I have access to the dining hall, and I have never once uh, used that access, and I don't plan on ever. I'm around these kids so much that if I don't have to ever see them, I don't ever want to see them. Mm-hmm, I mean, right. I, like, I, I travel with them every weekend of the year. I have to sit next to one airplanes, uh, drive around with them in vans. I'm kind of joking right now, but no, yeah, so I'm, I'm around them quite a bit. So, um, yeah, I don't think they want to see me in their dining hall, and I don't want to see them in their dining hall. So. Is it just one dining hall? Yeah, it's one dining hall. The food at Georgetown's really good. They've done a really good job. Actually, the, the way they eat now is way better than I ate as a student at Georgetown. It's really good. Yeah. Is it is it like a um, buffet? Yeah, it's a buffet, which, um, uh-huh. you know, can be good and can be bad. I mean, um but There's lots of things that are different about you. When you really like at our age, I, you know, you forget like what this is like at 18 to leave home and have all this stuff change at once. Because like our life changes kind of come slowly, know, one by one, yeah. and we see them coming type thing. Yeah. I mean, for these kids at 18, from the bed you sleep in to the food you eat to the people you're around to your classes to not having your parents, I mean, everything changes at once. And one of the big changes is you went from having like. This is what's for dinner. This plate in front of you. Right, right. To like, it's so true. Freaking Vegas. Whatever you can eat. You want cake? Oh, f- we, got cake. <laughs> we, got, we got six different kinds of cake. Like, you like French fries? Like, okay, man. You can just have, you want to have French fries tonight? You can do that. You want them tomorrow night? You can do that. Oh, my God. That is I mean, it's a like, difficult part of the job. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's like. Yeah, but being an 18 year old who, who runs 100 miles a week, yeah, you, that's could, true. you could burn that off. Well, this, most. This would, destroy me at this age oh yeah yeah I, I don't know that dining hall is um yeah i mean and the it, food's good so that uh, makes the it food yeah. is good and, and you know i don't know it's just a, it's a tough you know, it's a tough transition that's a tough transition so all right yeah. well this has been fantastic uh right. the only way we could top it off if you could play us a song on the way out oh play a song on the way pick out. your <laughs> pick your instrument we have a lot here in the we've studio we've got a yeah we got a studio we all got right a will you guys back me up yeah, yeah. Okay, absolutely good. all right so we're just gonna do um um, the second verse of um, You've Lost That Love and Feeling. Okay. okay. All right. Let me Google right. the lyrics the here. Verse. So we're just <laughs> yeah, singing yeah. here. Here we go. Here we uh, go. This is for the listeners out there, okay? So, um. <laughs> Baby, baby, I'd get down on my knees for you If you would only love me like you used to do, yeah We had a love a love, a love you don't find every day. So don't, don't, don't let it slip away. Baby, 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 baby. I'm begging you please. I'm begging you please. I'm begging you please. I'm begging you please. I need your love. I need your love. I need your love. I need your love. So bring it on back. 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 Bring back that love and feeling. Whoa, that love and feeling. Bring back that love and feeling. Cause it's gone. Gone, gone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Bring back the love and feeling. Yeah. Whoa, that love and feeling. All right, thank you. Good night. All right. That was like almost as good as Top Gun. Because that was the Top Gun song. Now, Joanna probably isn't old enough to remember Top Gun. I have seen Top Gun. Okay, all right. But that was fantastic. Ironically. Yes. 
I've seen Bradley it watched seri- it ironically. I've seen it seriously. Well, I don't know if we could close an interview any better than that. That's Mike Smith. He's the director of cross country and track and field at Georgetown University. Mike, thanks for joining us. All right, awesome thanks job, for having man. me. All right, that was fantastic. Um, we are going to take a break, and we'll be right back. So that was awesome. Thanks again to Mike Smith. Uh, I don't know how that music at the end there sounded, or us singing sounded. What do you What do you guys think? You have headphones. Well, I was, <laughs> I was like really, really into going it. after it. Yeah, I noticed the levels uh, spiking spiked. pretty yeah. high. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I didn't blow out anybody's eardrums. I also noticed uh, Joanna not putting forth a hundred percent effort. Yeah. She was laughing <laughs> and, and having mm-hmm. a hard time with it. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, kind of a, a different way to end an interview, but I thought that worked. Well done. It's raised the bar. It definitely did. That was awesome. No, uh, Mike is, 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 is a character. He's got uh, a lot of personality. So I think, um, you know, his, the way that he finished the podcast is uh, just perfect for him, perfect for his personality. So thanks again to Mike. And I, I promise you 100% that was unplanned. It was definitely we, unplanned. It was we awesome. were unaware that awesome. that was going to happen. So fo- you can follow the, the Hoyas uh, all season long, uh, and hopefully uh, you know, they have another, another great season. Uh, you know, finishing the top 10, well, I don't remember what the exact statistic 19 was. 19 times. 19 times out of 20. Uh, out of the past five. 20, 25 years, yeah. I think it was 25. I think I th- was, yeah, I think yeah, that's, that's what he said, too. That's, that's pretty, pretty awesome. All right, finally, guys, we got the tweets of the week here. Uh, of course, you can tweet us at Pace the Nation. We heard from Satya Morthy this week. Uh, he said, seriously, people, go find at Pace the Nation on iTunes and Stitcher. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Do you have to find it on both, or is it okay just to yeah, find it on one? Either way. Um, we heard from Find Your Inner Pace. Uh, she... Uh, enjoyed the edition of Robert Galanders and and she she liked uh, the analogy of uh, taking care of your teeth is similar to taking care of your body when running so that was a I, I, I appreciate that uh, analogy uh, from Galanders so she's got to catch up I think that was like episode 17 or something well that's so, okay because it's on, um, it's throwback Thursday so that's it's fine right. okay um, Mike McGrady said, love the Julie E. Cully interview. He got the E in. Keep up the good work. We'll be watching for you in 2016. We also heard from Michael Miller, who enjoyed uh, that that episode as well. Episode 20 of Pace the Nation is one of the best running podcasts ever. Embodies the spirit of chasing dreams. Hashtag well done. I like that one. That was good. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, Julie does have a great story. No, I thought she he liked us, right? Oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah. I think it was mostly about uh, Julie. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Huh? But Again. we are chasing a dream here as well. <laughs> we are. That's true. Yeah. Uh, TJ also uh, chimed in, run underscore TJ. He says, thanks for the tip, has been looking for new podcasts. And finally, uh, our tweet of the week from our intern. Anybody follow up from our intern yet? 
We we designated her responsible for following up with her. <laughs> okay. Kelly Grant said, uh, saw a guy with his phone in a Ziploc bag at J&L, took everything in me not to ask if he was the mystery caller from Richmond. Uh, funny That's tweet. That's hilarious. Really could have been our mystery caller. I'm not sure what J&L is, though. Uh, me either. We can get, get our... Not, in- yeah, I'm not sure either. We can... Our, our, our intern We should get our knows. intern on that. Yeah. Uh, so, Kelly, uh, you've just earned yourself a $20 gift card to Pacers Running with that witty uh, tweet and nice callback to, uh, I think that was episode 19, where we talked about uh, our mystery caller from Richmond. Could be 20. Um, no way to know. No way I, to know. I thought uh, at Jatoria's DC had a good tweet this yeah, week. Yeah, she did. But oh, hey, that's me. Yeah. Uh, she said, episode 20, a.k.a. the episode where I finally become one of the guys. Hashtag bros. Hashtag sup. Yeah. It was kind of taking shots at me. That's why, you know. <laughs> yeah. Again, I, did, I read what I and wanted. And that's why I liked it. Yeah, that's true. Um, Joanna, you had seven favorites. Is that a, is that a record? That is, I think, a record. Yeah. I, I don't tweet very often either. Yeah, I who's would, favoring that? Me. Uh, <laughs> and all your fake accounts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have fake accounts. Um, I would love it if I got seven favorites on something. Oh, yeah. I'm so jealous. Seriously. Well, you can Maybe tweet, one day. That's my dream I'm chasing. You can tweet us at Pace the Nation. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter individually, too, at JoeToriusDC. William E. Docs and Run Pacer is our uh, personal handles. I never. I don't think I've promoted those on the show before, but... And they can favorite any. They can favorite a, any away tweet they any want, tweet yeah. we want. Yeah, if I'm tweeting about the Redskins. Favor, favor, favor away. I want to. I want to see at least eight. I'll be um, definitely trumpeting that on the next show if I get eight favorites. <laughs> uh, you do have multiple accounts that you can start I, favoriting all your stuff <laughs> that's with. Good to, point. I do. We're, we're going to discount those. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again to Mary Gersima from Chasing Mailboxes, the blog, for joining us today. And Mike Smith, the director of track and field and cross country at Georgetown, for joining us. Two fantastic guests. Shocker, they were on super short notice. You guys surprised? We were on super short notice today, (laughs) too. Good point, Docs. Next week... We're going to have Maggie Smith. She's got a great story that Runner's World has highlighted, so look forward to having her on the program. And Docs is going to be out of town, so for all those Docs fans out there. It's a, I would say it's a good one to miss, but I think you should listen to the Maggie yeah, Smith that's true. story. Yeah, no doubt. All right, that's William E. Docs. And for Joanna E. Russo, I'm Chris Farley. This has been Pace the Nation. We'll see you next week.